Nation, don't forget you're listening to Olive Branch's number one podcast, OB Pod. Morning, Cash. Morning, Zach. How we doing, brother? Man, best day ever yourself. I have been chasing my ass all <laughs> week, and I put both hands back there, and I can't find it. It's just been one thing after another. I don't know how your week's been, but it has been a roller coaster for me, homie. It has just been up and down so fast, and I really, honestly, I know I said it last week, and it feels like deja vu, but I can't believe that it is already Saturday. Yeah, like we were just sitting down. And I was just like, "Hey, what did you do your week? What, what are you going to write down?" I was like, "Honestly, I can't believe we're already here." Yeah, it's crazy. And then, of course, yeah. you know, this is football season is really on now. And so, like last night, catching up on three different games. Speaking of football, I went and I gave away a lot of our money to some of the high school programs in the area so that people can get to know OB Pod a little bit more. And I was talking to one of the coaches. He said you painted a beautiful mural uh, for Lake Cormorant about this gator and i've got to hear more about it oh i got you this thing stood the test of time he said he said it is the best field he has ever seen in his life Uh, college wise anything so i'd probably man golly it's probably been five seven years ago but um back when i was doing a lot of football fields yes i used to paint 50 yard signs or um, well you would do the outline and then some uh kids would come help and fill in everything i'm not (laughs) I don't know if you want to take full credit for the painting. Every great artist had his minions, okay? (laughs) Get off me. But but yeah, no, I painted a giant crocodile head or an alligator head, what do you want to call it? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what they were. And so like it went from the numbers to numbers on height wise. So if you put that in perspective and the head was over 30 yards in width in total length so basically you had no choice but to see it because you could hear basically see it from space coach Nestor uh was very adamant about let's make this large proud and huge and have fun with it and uh, we did and it ended up being great and i've done several out there before uh you know yeah i mean what you did for our field was absolutely tremendous it was a lot of fun always being able to get out there depending how big the project was going to be some thursday afternoons but always friday just yeah. got out of school and be able to spray paint and have a lot of fun doing those kinds yeah, that, of things. Yeah, I mean, that was some of my fun times, man. You know, I know at DeSoto Central, we used to make it look like there was four claws tearing through the field. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite things we ever did. Uh, you know, it's just something something so unique and original. And so and I'm not afraid to say it because it was one of people did it. And, of course, I did a giant jaguar head. And it, it was a lot of fun. I, I miss uh, doing it more and more, but it was time consuming. And if I didn't have those minions or guys working with me to help fill it in, it would never get done by the scale they were. No. And especially thank you to everyone, I guess, who helped fund our spray paint uh, project <laughs> because we went through a lot of it. But sure did. it looked fantastic. And like I said, it was a great team building exercise, at least for the offensive line. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> Cash, you know, I got to tell you, I'm excited about this episode, man. You know, uh, our first guest on the show is Brian Couch. You know, he's been, we talked about him every week, being one of the top realtors of the area. 
he's just a phenomenal dude. And so I asked him if he could come in and kind of give us a market analysis of Olive Branch. Oh. And uh, he was like, absolutely. I got to meet with him. We had a great interview. And he talks about how things are going in each area, Lewisburg, Olive Branch, and Center Hill, if you break them down by communities and schools. He gives you just a great number of stats. He gives a little history about himself, and it just goes to show you what kind of great guy he is, that he's going to take this extra time and effort. And to give this information out, there's no obligation. There's no cost. There's no nothing. He's truly out there to help the kids. He, he sponsors a lot of things, does a lot of things, for especially the area he lives in there in Hernando. Uh, so pretty pumped to have him. Well, I mean, I just think the education on something like this is so important, especially with the housing market as it is and how hot it is. Like, you want to make sure that you're getting exactly what you're paying for because you're paying for a lot right now. Yeah, you are correct. And uh, and he doesn't shy away from that. He calls it like it is. And so I think it's something a lot of people can appreciate. Cash, let's go ahead and go straight to that interview with Brian. Hi, guys and gals. I've got a special guest with me today. I've got the infamous Brian Couch, the number one realtor of all DeSoto County. Not afraid to say it. Been saying it for weeks. Brian, appreciate you being on the show, man. Man, I'm happy to be here. I love listening to the podcast every week and just proud to be part of it. Brian, I had to get you on the show, man, because you know we've been talking about you every week and we talk about this real estate market and how crazy it has been for especially the last six months. And But I've noticed a shift and I've noticed some different things going on and I would love to have your expert opinion on that. But before we do, I'd love people to understand who you are and what your background is here in DeSoto County. I'm born and raised in DeSoto County. I'm from Hernando, as you know. Uh, My dad was a principal at the middle school. My mom was a teacher at the high school. I left here for college and went to Ole Miss and then been back here, raised my kids here. They're both freshmen in high school this year. And, you know, I'm just I'm here for this community and want to see this community grow, but want to see it grow in the right directions where my kids want to stay here one day. Absolutely. Well, by the way, your mother is a phenomenal teacher. She was my ninth grade algebra teacher. And <laughs> you probably know the page of uh, writing the definitions. Unfortunately, I know way too much. And uh, especially when I made fun of her for her overhead, which she was synonymous for having, which is archaic now. I still get tagged on Facebook about stuff like that all the time. <laughs> but she's a phenomenal woman. You can tell Miss Dee Dee that uh, we sure miss seeing her around. Gotcha. So let's get right to it, Brian. Like this market, we said a minute ago, is crazy. Can you give us a heads up of what's going on now currently? Well, over the last year, year and a half, uh, I call it COVID times, you know, you would think the market was going to go down. It did the opposite. We've had a complete skyrocket in pricing. I mean, from we were probably at $110 a foot at best, and now we're, you know, in some instances up to $140, $150 a foot. Of course, you hear the things from buyers that there's 10, 15, 20 offers on a house, and they're bidding 10,000 over and not missing out on the house. So that's been going on for the last six months or so. You've seen a little bit of a slowdown talking with some of the other top agents. We're seeing a little bit of a slowdown. It's still a good seller's market. But you're not seeing the craziness. So if you're a buyer out there, you're not seeing 10 and 20 offers on a house now. You might get two or three, but it's not as crazy as it was even a month ago. Gotcha. So let me ask this. Do you think that has anything to do with like maybe the school has started or, you know, because in my experience, which is minimal comparison, but people want to get into a house due to maybe good schools for families, things like that. And since DeSoto County is kind of family oriented in my mind. Do you think that's a big contributor? Notoriously, the first few weeks of school is very slow, and that's one of the other things we were talking about. Is is this school contributed, or are we seeing a little bit of a slowdown? That's still too early to tell just yet if it's just a school effect or if we are seeing a slowdown. At some point, we're going to see a slowdown because it can't continue at the pace it's continuing. 
Well, considering that you're talking about this a little bit of a lull right here, is there still any areas that are still super hot or is there any specific areas that are kind of focused in right now? If you list a house, it's still selling right now. I mean, we're still selling them within a day, two days tops. A new construction is still hot. Obviously, the hot markets, y'all are in one of the biggest ones with Lewisburg being in y'all's podcast of listeners. And even Center Hill. Center Hill is a very hot market. Lewisburg is probably the hottest market in DeSoto County, followed by Hernando and then DeSoto Central and uh, Center Hill right behind those. Well, let me ask you this. Since we're, you know, let's shift away from the market. Um, you know, As being a realtor and somebody who represents this area and has done so well for so long, what would you tell a potential uh, you know, seller or potential buyer? What is the reason they need to come see you, and why is a realtor so important considering this market? Well, having an experienced realtor is the biggest thing. We're, we're up to over 1,200 agents in this market. I mean, that's a lot of agents. That is a, uh, a crap it, load of Compared to we've only got 290 listings on the market right now. Wow. So uh, having an experienced agent, I know people are going, oh, I want to save that 5 6 7% whatever commission, but there's so much more that goes into it besides just finding a buyer. I've had multiple sales where people tried for sale by owner for one reason or another that most of them were salvageable when I heard what the problem was, but they didn't know how to work through the problem. And they gave up and said, hey, come list my house. I'm tired of messing with it. I've had at least three in the last two months that have netted more after listing the house and paying the commission than they did selling it for sale by owner because they created that frenzy where you did have eight, nine, ten offers and people offering like, for example, I just closed one last week that we felt like it was worth 275 but I told my client, let's push it to 285 Our closing sales price was 305 on that house. Wow. You know, you mentioned for sale by owner a minute ago. So, Brian, you know, I've actually tried for sale by owner, and I got very lucky. I had a relative who was also a realtor at the time come in and kind of save my butt. I'm not going to lie. I can tell you is that something I never thought about is, is getting phone calls on my personal sale asking weird questions, trying to you know show my own home. There's so many things that I didn't realize were going to be such a pain in the backside. And then realizing that people sometimes are not real fun to deal with when they're trying to buy something when they want it for a certain wheel and you're emotionally attached to something. Having that person in between to really go that mile, been a kind of a light from my tunnel, as they say. It's always good to have that buffer between a buyer and seller. It is. That's why you see most real estate closings are separate now from a buyer and seller because you don't want them in the same room because Things happen. I've been in this business for 21 years and I learn something new every day, but I learn from what I see. You know, I've learned from stuff where I've done something that oh, I should have handled this differently and I could have gotten burnt. But that's where an experienced agent comes in. We know those pitfalls. I just was in CE, my continuing education classes that we have to have every couple of years last week. And one of the classes I took was a class called risk management. We were talking about stuff where lawsuits were happening two years after the sale of the property. So you go, oh man, my for sale by owner experience was great. And then a year and a half later, you get hit with a lawsuit because you didn't have the right disclosures. You didn't do the right things. And it happens. You can get sued with an agent. It happens all over the state. You, you can research it. It's out there. Luckily, I've not been in one because every real estate deal is different and a unique problem can come up in every one of them. You need somebody to keep you out of those situations. Now, Brian, we've been talking a lot about this and that and talking about, you know, for sale owner and different things. But I think people really want to know what the markets are like right now. And I know how detail oriented you are. Why don't you tell the listener what we're looking at in the markets we cover in our area? 
Well, I pulled some stats uh, yesterday, and of course, these numbers are fluid. They're changing a little bit every day, but it'll give everybody that's listening an idea of what's going on in the different markets from Center Hill to Lewisburg to Olive Branch. Currently, in our MLS system, there's 296 houses in all of our MLS for sale that are active listings. Now, that may sound like a lot to some people. We should be at eight or 900 minimum in a traditional year. Now, we did hit a low of about 160 at one point, so you do see the numbers starting to creep back up a little bit. So that's that's where that comment earlier about buyers don't get discouraged. It's starting to get some more inventory back out there. There have been 923 sales in DeSoto County in the last 90 days. We're selling 300 houses roughly a month in DeSoto County, and I said 296 in the whole MLS, but DeSoto County only has 207 active listings in DeSoto County. Wow. You know, that just tells you that the inventory level is still really, really low when we're selling 300 plus a month. Jeez, unreal. And then to get to the different areas, I'll start with uh, Center Hill. In the last 90 days, there's been 69 sales, Center Hill. 51 of those were existing homes and 18 were new construction. But to show you the kind of the contrast, the existing homes were selling in Center Hill at average of about 126.50 a foot the new homes were at 138.50 a foot also in contrast the average sales price for existing was 291 compared to a new construction at 418.500 did you just say 418 418.500 in center hill that's bananas to me you know somebody who works in center hills area and sees that community when it's a it's a strong working class community, great folks, and to hear that there's homes that are in that range selling like that, that's a, that's a, that's a good sign for the future. Well, and it's just such a great proximity to Collierville and places that people want to go. It's just you know people don't talk about Center Hill as much as they do Lewisburg and Hernando and DeSoto Central, but Center Hill is a very hot market. Well, it should be. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not afraid to toot my own horn. The school is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, I've heard people say they didn't want to be. You know, they didn't want you as their assistant principal. But you know, I'm just well, kidding on that. Though. A few weeds in every garden. <laughs> yeah, right. And if you compare that with, let's go to Lewisburg next. Lewisburg had I mean, 97 sales in the last 90 days. 62 of those were existing and 35 were new. And the average sales price of existing was 363. So well above 350000 as an average sales price on an existing home in Lewisburg. And the average sales price in Lewisburg for new construction was 411000 So it was actually a little bit less than Center Hill. But the price per foot new construction in Lewisburg was 141 a foot compared to 138 in Center Hill. I got you. Would that contribute to like maybe land size? A lot of times Lewisburg maybe has larger lots maybe? Well, it contributes to that maybe. And also the fact that the average sales price on the new construction being 141 being $3 basically more a foot. When I say that, I mean, there are houses in Lewisburg and Center Hill and Hernando that are new construction that are some for 145 a foot this is just the average of all of them right so you know i have people call me all the time ago i hear it's at 150 dollars a foot well there are instances where some new construction is selling at that but on the average that's where the numbers are but when i did your sister podcast back in december i can't remember what the price per foot's were but they were down in the 120s on average so we've gone up in less than a year basically almost 20 dollars a foot Hi, Brian. So what are we looking like for Olive Branch itself? Uh, Olive Branch in the last 90 days has actually had 105 sales. So a lot more, not a lot more, but they have had more sales. 89 of those existing, only 16 new in the Olive Branch School District. But now the average price per foot was $132 a foot on the new construction and 125 on the existing 
but the price point is a little bit lower where you, you know the new construction in Center Hill and Lewisburg was over 400,000 the average new price in Olive Branch was 319 well I can contribute to that I've been talking to the mayor and we you know we go to the alderman meetings and stuff there's just no land and so right. new construction almost has to be patio home nowadays in Olive Branch right the annexation is going to help a huge bit but not a whole lot well and you got you know one of the nicer neighborhoods that has bigger lots is Dawkins Farm but they're almost out of lots out there right. now too it's, it's almost like you're going landlocked and so it, I can see that becoming a trend where it actually gets less and less Brian, I, I can't thank you enough for those stats man I know they're going to eat that up and it's going to be great information for them to consider especially if they're looking to be in the market but you know the bottom line is is I got you on here because I want people to know how good you are what kind of person you are and why we're proud to have you part of our podcast. And so if somebody's out there thinking about selling their house or looking for a realtor, maybe help them buy a house or basically any type of real estate deal, why do they need to contact you? Well, there's a lot of good agents in DeSoto County. There, Like I said, there's 1,200 though, so we're not all the same. I'm a full service team. I know you say that all the time, but there's four agents on my team. So if you can't reach me, I have other people that you can reach. I've been doing this for 21 years. Everybody on my team has been in this business for well over 10 years. And we've built our business on trying to do the right thing and trying to take care of our client, even if it's the detriment of us. Like I may advise a client not to sell. I've done that a lot of times where I deal with banks and I'll tell them not to take an offer. And that's why some of these local banks do use me when they have properties to sell. It's because they know I'm going to give them the best advice, not just what's the best advice for me. And that's the way I've tried to build my business and be honest with you on the front end. I'm not going to tell you something about your house that I'm going to tell you something different a month later because I did it to get your business. Right. That's the kind of the way I've built my business over these 20 years is just by being straightforward with you. And it costs me business sometimes to somebody that fluffed up something to a seller or buyer, but I want to be honest with you and that way I can sleep at night regardless if I get to sell your house or not. Now, we've, we've been talking a lot about how Team Couch offers a market analysis. Tell the listener what you mean by that. Well, if you want to see what your neighborhood's going for or just you know, the couple miles around your house, I can come out with you, sit down for 30 minutes. It's a no obligation. I'm not going to give you a hard sale. I'm going to say, hey, if you decide you want to list, give me a call and give you a better idea of what your house is worth after I've walked through your house and brought numbers to back up the statistics. And we'll sit down and talk about it. I'll leave you a card and you can call me if you want to. That way you can decide if it's right for you to sell right now or not. You can go to our website at teamcouch.com and email me through that, or you can call our office, 662-449-1700, or you can call me on my cell or text me on my cell and leave me a message. If I don't answer, if I'm with a client, I'll call you back. My cell number is 901-461-7653, which actually spells sold. 7653 spells sold. Of course it does. Of course it does. (laughs) I got that number 20 years ago, and I'm not giving it up. Well, Brian, look, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're very busy and you do a great job. And so we really appreciate you doing this for the community. We appreciate you offering your business, especially to the people around, as well as being a part of OB Pod. It means a lot to us. Well, I love DeSoto County. Like I said, I love listening to y'all's podcast. It's very informative and I like to advertise with people that are trying to help our community. So that's why we're putting our advertising bucks behind y'all. Well, we sure appreciate it. And uh, we, we always want to make sure we promote and you definitely do that. And so, again, thank you for your time. Appreciate you having me. Thanks again, Brian. We really appreciate the information. We look forward to having you on the show again soon so we can keep people around our area up to date on how real estate is moving. So at the back end of our episode, we have the post-game show. If you want to say, I know it's not really the or the true post-game show, but it's going to be our having our coaches around, uh, getting on with us and talking about the games from the Jamboree. You know, each one of them got to play a couple quarters versus an opponent. And uh, I got to watch these games, and uh, I got we got some good excitement for the future on this. Well, and I heard there was some pretty good audio over at Center Hill. Yes, so uh, believe it or not, they decided to take the video that we made with Coach Peacock 
and they used it for the intro piece for the students uh, for the football team to come out on the field you know the stone cold intro man that, like, i'm getting goosebumps just Cheers. thinking about it and just i can only imagine how you were feeling uh when you first started to hear it it uh it, it was uh, it was nice it was nice you know i mean it's just something like that to where it was a small idea we had no idea what it would do what it would bring if we would even get a single watch i mean in hindsight yes like we probably should have known we were going to get a good bit of it just with the help of this community but with how much it blew up and how much the coaches got behind us with this and just the community we can't thank y'all enough yeah like, no doubt that, thousands and thousands of watches and comments and follows and likes really really appreciate everybody doing it yeah it's absolutely awesome hey when we say that's the paycheck that we fight for every single time like it truly was and then the shares that we got from it the people emailing us like hey how can we listen to you how can we get more like that truly meant the world to us absolutely guys if you haven't watched them yet if you're listening go to our twitter page it's the easiest way to do it or our facebook page you can see all three promotional videos we did with the coaches. They had a blast with them. We had a lot of fun. I hope y'all enjoy them as much as we do. All right, Cash, it's time to get to those jokes, man. I got, man, I had over 30 of them sent to me this week. Over 30 of them. I guess it's picking up steam, but so, of course, I had to pick a few, and I'm keeping other ones. I'm banking them just in case, you know, um, but so are you ready? I am because I, I saw one of them, and I was like, I need to know where this is going. <laughs> all right, Cash, what's a better name for emotional baggage? What do we got? Grief case. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Here we go, Cash. I got my daughter a fridge for her birthday. I can't wait to see her face light up when she opens it. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. Cash, how do you make a waterbed bouncier? Mm, I don't know. Fill it with spring water. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> okay, right. I like that one. All right, there you that, go. That was that was a good one. I right, look. I want to say thank you to Larry, Shelby, and I think it was Chris that sent those three jokes to us this past week. Really, really appreciate you Chris. Guys. Bravo. That that was top notch. That's my vote for the winner. There you go. Right now, there is a shortage of workers in every kind of facet of our community, and Michael Hatcher is no different. They are looking for qualified people and unqualified people to help their company out. And they're willing to go the extra mile to make sure they get those people to come to them. They are doing bonuses for their employees. They are offering unmatchable benefits, as well as being flexible with so many different things, as well as an environment that is so conducive and positive for the employee. You need to go check them out, guys. I'm telling you, this is like a family-owned run company that takes care of their people. And I love that you say that because when people say like, oh, it's family-oriented, we want you to be part of the family, they're trying to get you in and pay you less. But these are some of the highest starting paying jobs that you're going to get right out of the gate. I think the lowest pay you can get is if you're completely new, unqualified, maybe right out of high school, whatever you want to call it, and it's still like 15 or 16 or even more is a starting salary. I mean, that, that, that's really good considering, and they're going all the way up to $18, $19, $20 an hour if you have a little experience with something or if you want to get trained in something. I mean, and you're talking about a job that's going to be basically hiring you for life. I mean, that is their motto. Guys, if this is something you're interested in, please go check them out. Go right now to HatcherLandscape.com or you can call Gabby at 662-755-3207. All right, guys, it's now time for our Alderman meeting. Cash, I know you attended this past week. What do we got? Yeah, speaking about our community, here are seven people that do everything they can to make sure that it is in the best way possible. And we have another person asking for money. It is the DeSoto Theater. And I didn't realize how much that they have done. But their person that leads it, Dan Lehman, came up. And they are supported by every other city in the county except for, you want to take a guess? 
Olive Branch. Olive Branch. And Ouch. I mean, he came out and said it, and they've done a few things for us for free uh, over at the Wesson House, and they've done a couple things at the park where we've had some festivals, most recently OB Festival. They're asking for a lot in 30000 but, you know, it's like you shoot high, and then you settle for low, and they said that they would be ecstatic for 5000 30 covers everything, but they are willing to work and make 5000 be exactly what they need and i've always got to appreciate something like that it's like when i was lifting weights it was like shooting for 400 settle for 315 <laughs> you know you know those old numbers That's where you get the coach who does his eye roll yeah he's just like oh my goodness so this yeah. guy one thing that uh, pat hamilton wanted to ask before they did all the meetings and this was just asking for money they weren't approving anything because they're still in the budget as we've been talking about the last two meetings was would they be open to doing a little bit more for the community in some of these festivals and he's like absolutely you send us work, we will be happy to send somebody to do it. We've got costumes. We donate them to these places after we use them and get them back. So anything that we use is the city's as well. That's so cool. it's just to know that that the Soto Family Theater is doing so much, and hopefully we can find a way to fit them into the budget. Now on to the first agenda that was done. It is a nice little rezoning from R2, which is single-family residential, to C2, which is just commercial and it's right there on the southwest side of Highway 178, just north of Catherine Drive, a.k.a. 108005 Highway 178. And this is two rundown houses that ha- are just going to get demolished and replaced with a little bit of a tongue twister, Magnolia Memorial Funeral Home. There you go. Well, and all of the aldermen were ecstatic about getting these houses torn down as they have been an eyesore on the community. So they were ecstatic about the houses being demoed or getting another funeral home? Well, I don't think anyone's really ecstatic <laughs> about a funeral home. Because, I had to ask the question. <laughs> but yes, getting those houses a proper funeral was exactly what they wanted to do. There you go. I like that. Then we have a nice little final subdivision plat for Johnson Highway 178. It's 1.74 acres. All that was being asked was that a sidewalk get constructed onto it as well, but it was unanimously approved. Nice, easy. Thank you, Alderman. The next was a plot revision for 4.34 acres located on the northwest corner of Highway 305 and Caromes Road, also known as 6375 Highway 305. Now, this is going to be another nice big car wash so that none of those lines get backed up. So, Olive Branch needs another one? Do you ever have enough car washes? Like, whatever you, you do. Have you seen the size of the two we have? Well, actually, Olive Branch actually has more than two. The one I used to use all the time was is on old 70, 178. And, you know, truckers use it all the time. It's right there by, you know, like it's right at the corner or dead end of state line. It does that weird little curb over yep, there. I know exactly. By the old rock place. Yep. It's not there. And then there's the big one right across from Kroger. And then there's one right down Goodman Road uh, over by Napa. That's the huge one. You know, it was a great American. I can't remember the name of it. It's got like 20 stalls, vacuums and stuff like that. And I'm willing to bet there's another one I just hadn't thought of. More than likely, but I mean, these are a lot like vape stores. As soon as you get one, you have 30. Okay. Contagious, huh? <laughs> what a terrible word to use right now. It, it really is, but I mean, that's the best way to use it. Like, you get one, oh no, <laughs> 30. <laughs> but yes, this was approved unanimously. So hopefully, maybe we see more salt on the road to justify a couple more car, car washes. The next thing on the docket was a massive talking point. This was probably about 45 minutes worth of debating, trying to figure out what was going to happen. And we don't know necessarily what's going to go right here, but this is the last plot revision. There's going to be six things. And of course, I'm talking about a little bit of a drum roll, please. Right there across from Starbucks. 
Right in front of the park, huh? Yep, right there. So we're going to get six nice little businesses right there. And there's no confirmation of what they're going to be, but that is exactly what's going to happen. And there are some things happening with the road that needs to be done, but this is 14.18 acres. So this is bigger than a lot of the neighborhoods that we've been seeing. I live on almost 14 acres. That doesn't look like 14 acres, but man, that is, that's bananas. That's that big. And you're talking about six businesses. Oh, it's even bigger than 14 acres, but that's where these six spots come off because you're still going to be able to build towards the east. Wow. And the reason why I'm saying that so confidently is because a lot of the arguments that were happening was there's. Plot five is the last one, and it looks like it's going to be a hotel because that plot's going to control the lake with that little retention water that's yeah, sitting yeah, right yeah, there. So most likely uh, that this plot is getting that water. So it's going to be something big that I'm assuming house guests and Gil Earhart wants to make sure that there's a walking path so people can enjoy that water, maybe put in a little bit of wildlife. to. That's the new thing now, man. You want people to be a... You know, feel free and access and you know mobile by feet not just cars and stuff like that i, I agree with that 100 percent. so hopefully something like that is worked into those plans whenever that happens but the other part of access with that is the road on the picture that they were showing stopped at plot five so it was like oh that was it you couldn't build eastward well george collins was like hey when this was initially shown to us it was going to go through so that more businesses would still want to be able to build eastward and the only other way you can get onto there is from the highway. And that's going to be a lot more difficult for oncoming and outgoing traffic. So we need this road, access road, to go all the way through. And they were arguing on if it was something that could be delayed and just go ahead and do this. But no, it, this had to be a decision that was done right now to ensure that it would happen. So a lot of arguing was going back and forth. A lot of discussions were happening. Thankfully, one of the builders was there. And he was looking at previous things to see that that easement road was there. And it eventually all got solved. An easement road will be there so we can continue building east. And it was approved unanimously. There you go. Speaking of shoeboxes and small houses, boy, oh boy, Zach, get ready for this one. This is a neighborhood on Goodman Road east of U.S. Highway 178 and west of Maple Grove Road. We are putting 23 lots. Brace yourself. 5.9 5.9 acres. Get out of here, man. I, I don't know how it is physically possible. And the lots range from Container 70. <laughs> these lots range from 7,800 square feet to 12,700 square feet. And there's going to be a centralized mailbox. And the living space, I think, was the minimum was like 1,200 square foot of living space. Vertically? I, I, I don't understand break. how you're going to fit that no, many sorry. lots. I mean, but, I, I'm all about staying positive and everything, and I'm happy people are getting homes, but shoeboxes, man. Shoeboxes. Like, I struggle with this, but hey, you know what? What terrifies me is how much are they going to cost? Like, I mean, that, that's going to be... Well, a container costs about $3,500, <laughs> and then you put some window <laughs> drapes on it, a few windows. And, you know, so, I mean, the container might be a little bit bigger <laughs> than the living space that you're getting in there. But like you said, I, we know we need houses and everything. It's just like, good gosh, 23 lots on six acres? I, I don't even know how that's possible. I don't either, man. My front yard's six acres. I can't imagine turning into <laughs> to 23 houses. Do, do you want 24 new neighbors? Uh, it makes me want to walk out right now and go, hmm, no, yeah. no. Anyway, hey, you know what? I trust the alderman. If they feel like this is good and it's what's going to, if it's going to, no, I mean, it's city, already, I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, it's already in a neighborhood that's got houses like this. Yeah, and so like, it's just utilizing to the best of its ability. It's just, it's always scary whenever you see your things like that. 
Well, I think this is part of the reason annexation worried so many people is is that um, it's a twice fold. You have the city who's basically landlocked. There's not a lot of space to expand, build good homes of good sized lots and things like that. Annexation was their answer. Well, the people who live outside the city didn't want their land to be annexed. Mm-hmm. They enjoy having larger lots and so on. And so now that it's partially annexed and then you hear we're approving more and more houses of the size of containers <laughs> and everything else, it makes them worry if their land they have or the spots they're in or subdivisions are going to diminish over time because they're going to get surrounded by communities of shoeboxes. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you have a house that's on an acre or two acres or more and everything else. And so these are legitimate fears. And so that's the kind of stuff that I'm kind of like, all right, well, you know, now you understand people's points. One needs it for the right reasons. The other one wants to keep it a certain way for the right reasons. So, I mean, uh, who wins? My or- big worry is always going to be congestion and traffic because this was initially a retirement county and community. And these roads were built exactly like that. I mean, we've talked plenty of times of when Church Road and a lot of these were small. And South Haven is about to go through a disaster with expanding Getwell and Goodman on their ends of it. They are going to, what is it? It's five lanes all the way down to Pleasant Hill Road. Yep. It's going to be a massive undertaking. I mean, uh, Commissioner Caldwell was with us you know, a week or two ago, and he talked about it. And so uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, and it's hey, going to be, have to be more than five lanes from Goodman to Church. Like, I mean, you're going to have to expand that to like seven lanes for that silo and everything. Tullahoma is more, more than likely going to have to get expanded, and they just did a sidewalk right there. It's already a dangerous road to drive on. I can only imagine yeah, that sidewalk. Yeah. Well, according to Caldwell, they're not expanding the five lanes they already have now. They're just going to continue with the five lanes down. I, I just, I, I can't, um, driving that every single, well, no, avoiding driving that every <laughs> single day. I cannot imagine you not being able to expand it. I don't know. You may just put that walk path on it. Now you can't. I mean, <sighs> you got to imagine that this week you were talking about news. I mean, the crane lifted the walk path and put it in place. My dad jokingly calls it the bridge to nowhere, and I laugh at it every single time. But, I mean, it really is, and it, it does look good, though. It, yeah. it was a million dollars well spent. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's going to be a landmark of South Haven, you know, and it's pushing away from the old South Haven area to the new area of South Haven, and they're doing it right. And yep. so uh, congrats to Mayor Musselwhite and uh, how they're doing things over there. And, and I, I think it's going to be a prosperous area, but it's also going to be one of the busiest areas in the entire county, and it's going to be a lot of traffic and a lot of people, and and oh boy, because my wife works right there on the corner. Yep. Wow, that sounded terrible. Is she business <laughs> and it was on the corner? I'm glad I didn't throw in, and I see you're at work all the time because, whoo. <laughs> yes, I am going to catch whole you-know-what for that one, but hey, it's all right. She loves me, <laughs> I think. Love you, honey. But no, and Olive Branch is adapting a lot of those similar things not necessarily the traffic, but a lot of the walkways. We're seeing these in Alderman Meads. Hey, we want a sidewalk attached to it if you're going to build here. And we're trying to make sure that we can get to one another in a safer way. Gotcha. So what was what was left in the Alderman meeting? The last big thing on the docket was the public hearing on the proposed budget. And now last year's came to a close. And so we were looking at this year's. Last year, the city was operating at $86.1 million. And this year, we're going to be operating with a projected budget of million. Holy smokes. Now, you would think a lot of that increase would come from taxes, but no, the tax rate's going to stay the same as it was last year. The only way you're going to have an increase is if any of your stuff grew in value. So that's nice to know. And thank you, Ken Adams, for being able to keep all of that, making all this information public. It was cool to be at one of these meetings. So thank you to the city of Olive Branch. Thank you. 
The budget was approved unanimously, and another thing that got the approval unanimously was the amendment to number one of the Professional Engineering Service Agreement with HDR Engineering. It's just a high-mass lighting project. An alderman meeting or two ago, we were talking about the kids playing basketball in the street. That was tied into this loitering ordinance that just got put into effect, and that was approved unanimously. The last thing on the docket was for the Maywood neighborhood. You know how they have those dams right there? Mm -hmm. There's a grant that had to be put in by Friday, August the 20th, that we were just made aware of. And Gil Earhart was fighting to get the city to apply for the grant so they could get an extra $300,000. Now, there was a lot of information that was going through this, and it boiled down to could the city handle any of the fixes and upkeep that were going to be needed if they tie their name onto this grant? Or would the Maywood HOA be able to do it? And ultimately, the city could not take the risk. Gill still put it up doing his part for his HOA, his group, his ward, to ensure that the money wouldn't be as bad for them. Hamilton seconded him, but none of the other aldermen were able to put the city on the liability for it. So everyone did what they could to try, but understandably, there just wasn't enough time with as much information that was needed to get this pushed through. Gotcha. And that was the end of a very exhausting alderman meeting, but I'm glad that we're able to provide this kind of news to our community. Absolutely. Guys, let's move on to our news section. And the first thing we want to talk about was, is not something about Olive Branch or even South Haven or something like that, but it does kind of make everybody tickle on the back of their neck is, is that Hernando High School was shut down and went virtually for two weeks this past week. I mean, how massive was that news when it came? Well, I mean, I'm sure you got it a little bit faster than my Facebook feed, but my goodness, was that a terrifying message. You know, we'd heard a little grumbling that it was possible it was going to happen, and then it didn't, and then all of a sudden over the weekend it hit, Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, it really has gone there. And, you know, and they make these – it's a tough decision. I mean, Mr. Usselton – has to make some tough calls in life, and you, you you have to know people are not going to be happy about it. Some people are, some people aren't. People are going to voice their opinions. I mean, if you went to Hernando Happenings or a few other places on Facebook, Whew. it was uh, it was a roast fest for a lot of people. They were frustrated and angry, um, you know. But that's just part of it. You know what I mean? The safety of kids and the safety of teachers and the just overall safety has to be taken first. I mean, that's the first thing on our deal when you look at DeSoto County Schools is safety first, and so. You don't get the fortune of looking at it through just one perspective. You have to look at it through the perspective of thousands upon thousands, because not only those children, but their parents, their siblings, you've got to look at a lot before you can make a decision. And I support any difficult decision that y'all are going to have to make. It is. Like I said, I I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to be the guy who makes that call because I cannot, you know, the amount of phone calls and the amount of emails and everything else. And, you know, and so. This created a stir. Uh, the the state board of education, uh, MDE, as well as the MHSAA, which handles athletics for the state, all had emergency meetings. They're all realizing that uh, things are changing. Are we going to have to uh, amend rules or expectations because uh, the coronavirus, the Delta variant, whatever you want to call it, is uh, is changing, evolving, and is moving fast. Uh, my wife works in the medical field, and she gives vaccinations, and she does things to help people medicine-wise and everything else. And she'll tell you, like I will, uh, it is flying through here. You need to be safe. You need to keep washing your hands. A lot of those old protocols, things like that, whatever you feel comfortable with, but do your part the best you can to try to reduce your opportunities when it comes to this. And the school was in a bad situation. They had a lot of folks out, adults and kids, and um, 
you know, and follow, trying to follow those guidelines. And it was just so many that they felt it was the best case scenario. And like I said, it's a tough call. And I know it really hurt uh, a lot of kids because, you know, a lot of the kids were looking back to going back to school to have normalcy. And uh, sports have started. you got volleyball, who's doing great in Hernando. We've got football, who is excited about getting rolling. They had a great season last year. Coach Wolf and uh, Coach Faust, who's a good friend of mine, do a, do a fantastic job down there. And being told that, hey, you're going to play a jamboree and, hey, you volleyball, you're going to take the, you're going to take losses, you know, uh, forfeits and stuff and stuff. So it, it was tough. But on the bright side, I mean, MHSA came out and said that if a school converts to hybrid, a hybrid, uh, you know, model that um, you can that can be a way to continue practicing. Also, if you are on virtual, they changed the rule where if you're a virtual, you cannot participate. Well, they amended that where, you know, if the district allows it. Uh, you can continue to practice as long as it's after school normal operating hours. And so like Hernando and uh, the football team and volleyball team were going to the campus after two or three o'clock when school is normally over and practicing volleyball and practicing football to stay fresh, stay current and be able to continue to be competitive. And when virtual was over, they'd go right back into playing games as normal. And so those are some big steps to help those, uh, those kids and, you know, try to work towards it. Um, and then MDE changed the rule where you can uh, have hybrid now as a way to satisfy the means because MDE came out and said, you know, you have to spend so many hours and so many days in school for credit this year. They're not trying to do the past like they did the last year and a half mm-hmm. for COVID. They want to go back to being completely normal, be in school, uh, be at school. Things like what, 63% of the day or something well, like that's that. If you want to get counted as attended okay. for each day, they want you to have your, your 180 days of education, gotcha. you know, that kind of stuff. And it's about minutes. Everything's down to minutes now. And so, uh, so they amended their deal where a hybrid schedule can be put into place and count to get those minutes. And that's big. So Hernando high school starting this Wednesday, um, two days from when you're hearing this is going to start a hybrid schedule to, uh, you know, and they're going to be basically the pilot run for our county when it comes to this. Well, I was about to say, hybrid seems like the one thing that we didn't have prepared for as a case. Well, as a, since we're the largest school district in the state, and you have eight major high schools, mm-hmm. the smallest one is still over a thousand kids. You know, going to a hybrid schedule is no easy feat. Uh, every single principal in this district right now is um, finishing the touches on how they are preparing with their staff of how they're handling virtual programming, how they're going to handle potential hybrid programming, and everything as truly as a just-in-case measure. It's not something that was a planned attribute yeah. for this year. I mean, like you said, this is something that y'all just created and the hybrid wasn't even necessarily something that they all had. All of this is in less than a week's time. All of this has changed. None of this was on the forecast, on the radar, or anything from MDE MHSAA or anything. All of this has happened in the last week. And so if you're angry about how school is handling this, think about this. All the rules and expectations have suddenly changed over a period of a few days that affects over 45 to 50,000 students in your district alone. You talk about making some big decisions. Corey Usselton is above reproach when it comes to this situation. You talk about pressure, the guy's handling it. I have the utmost respect for him, and I'm praying for DeSoto County Schools. I'm praying for our kids, and I hope we can all come together and realize tough decisions yeah. are ahead, but if we go at it with the right attitude and you can show your kids that bad things are going to happen in your life and how you respond to them is what's going to make you a better person. 
being that parent that goes out there and just tongue lashes and talks negatively on social media, phone calls, emails, social events about how the school system's a joke, how this is terrible, this is ridiculous, this, that, or so on, guess what? You're becoming part of the problem. You know, our job here is to help teach your young person, your children, how to be better people and be successful through adversity. Right now, this is adversity for everybody. Yeah. And so we, be a shining example. And we understand this is frustrating and you feel like you're not getting enough information or communication. But again, please try to realize that they're trying to communicate with themselves to get all these rules in place with how fast this is attacking us. It is. And so like anything, if you're, you can't be 100% prepared for stuff and we're as large as we are, considering how fast we've moved, I mean, I'm not tooting horn. That's pretty impressive considering that Hernando High School was given information and in less than a day, they were into a virtual program. And to me, that's what you call moving. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm praying for everybody in Hernando. I know it's tough. I know several families down there. I mean, I'm from Hernando. I know several people who have got COVID, several people who are struggling with quarantines. It's just a tough time for everybody. But from OB Pod, we're thinking about you guys down there. And and our sister, I mean, our brother podcast under the water tower has plenty of information talking about this. So please make sure that you check them out because they're covering this as best as humanly possible. Absolutely. Speaking of positive tests for COVID, they are becoming a much bigger deal. And there's even going to be some possible consequences if you aren't quarantined correctly. This is all coming from the Mississippi Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, as he is trying to make sure that everyone quarantines if you are testing positive. Yeah, um, I just, my, my, my concern with this is accountability. I don't like, know how you I, do it. it. To me, it's not possible. It, to me, it's a it's a recommendation again. I mean, like if you're saying you test positive, you need to be home isolating for 10 days. Make me. Yeah. I mean, like who's going to come back? Like, I'm not saying I'm. that's not my attitude towards it, but I'm just saying there are people who live in our community that have that attitude. Well, and it's just like, how are you going to prove that somebody knowingly had COVID positive or was walking around? Like, it's just not possible. Just Well, here's the thing. You know, the government or your medical provider is going to know if you're positive because they gave you the positive result, but they cannot share it with anybody and you don't have to tell a soul. Yeah. So you could go get positive tomorrow, go to your Walgreens, go to wherever your local testing station, your local doctor and say, oh, yeah, you're positive. And they tell you, you need to go home, stay away from people for 10 days, be smart like that. You can drive right from wherever you came from and go, and get go back to normal. Yeah. And not tell a soul. Well, and that's if what that's, I was saying. If you, if you want that on your conscience, but that's where, that's where that accountability comes in. And so- Yes, it's great to say this, and yes, you should do it. But you know, you have laws out there that would say I don't have to tell you yeah. if I'm positive. I don't have to give you my medical information. I don't have to tell you if I'm vaccinated. I don't have to tell you what anything is like that. That's just part of it. And that's a that's another whole debate where there's people saying that you have to be vaccinated before you can have an employment, or you're going to be fired, or, and that's going to go into a huge legal battle. But that's not for here or there. I'm just saying that uh, I understand why he's saying it, he's, and to me, that is more of a recommendation. How you're going to be accountable to that? And be consistent with it. I have yet to see that in the news yet. Yeah, and th there's just no way that's there's just no way that's going to be possible. Not consistently, I can tell you that, guys. The next thing we want to talk about is there is a Mid South Job Fair coming, and that is going to be at the Lander Center, and that is August the 26th. This is the annual Governor's Job Fair, and this is where people can even get hired right on the spot. So please make sure you come if you're looking for employment and have plenty of resumes. The opportunities are going to be plentiful. The positives of a job fair can't be spoken enough because so many big companies come in, spend a lot of money, 
to meet the people in the community and hopefully to hire a lot of the people in the community. Next, the early voting initiative is being backed by State Representative Hester Jackson McRae. She said that at least 106,109 signatures from registered voters must be collected in a 12-month period for the initiative to be placed on the November 2023 general election ballot. And she is one of our representatives here in DeSoto County, the Democratic bid from Horn Lake. So this is coming from a countywide initiative, and I can only say I hope we get more early voting or we can figure out how to do voting a little bit better in the county because voting day is a disaster. It is, and I, I just want people to have uh, understand that it's a civic duty, and it's our participation is just so low. Yeah, it just baffles me. So and we just went through this with the Olive Branch one, where yeah. we were trying to get people to come out and vote, and it had record numbers at nine percent. <laughs> like, yeah, I it's, mean, just, it's just I just struggle with that. I really, really struggle. And with so, that. if early voting is something that will get more people to go out and vote or make it easier on them, do it, please. Yeah. Like, put your signature down if you agree with that. Absolutely. Bottom line. Guys, speaking of something else that's countywide, is that is our friends at DeSoto Cleaning. Brian and his crew are the best, guys. If you have any type of cleaning in your home, especially if it's something to do with floors, they specialize in tile and grout, hardwood, and steam cleaning. I'm telling you now, Brian will come out with his truck and his crew, and they will make your floors look amazing. You think Whatever you think you need. I mean, they can make carpets look new. They can make tile look amazing, especially grout. You'll be surprised. You think your grout is actually a dark color when it was supposed to be a light color. Um, he has a few videos on Facebook that will show you before and after. Trust your eyes. The guy does fantastic work. Please go check him out. They have over 17 years of experience. And bonus, if you mention OB Pod when he does your quote, he will give you 15% off the bill. If you go to Facebook, you can check him out. That is DeSoto Cleaning. Speaking of another company that helps clean up our area and community, that is Rodman Properties, guys. If you go to their website, which is ibuydesoto.com, they specialize in buying houses that are basically abandoned, left behind, need repair, maybe a loss of a loved one, a divorce, or you're that person who just suddenly has a job transfer or something's happening and you need to get out of town. You need to get out of town fast, looking for a cash offer that's fair and that you feel good about. This is the company you want to check out. Go to iBuyDeSoto.com. Look at all the things they offer, their entire buying process, as well as all their testimonials of satisfied customers of how they didn't feel like they got robbed, cheated, or misled in any way. This is truly a family-owned company by Abby and Spence Robin. They do an amazing job, as well as they do so much for the community. Most of the houses they buy, they reno and make them better than they ever were, as well as they get their community involved when it comes to decisions on how the house is being redone. What's better than knowing that a house in your community is getting redone and you had input on how it's going to look? Truly, truly innovative company. This is why you want to work with them. Go to iBuyDeSoto.com right now and just see what they have to offer. You know what's nice, Cash? What? Is when you got a nice beer that's something unique and different that no one else really has around here. And it just has that extra special flavor that just makes you realize you're a cut above the rest around you. You're right. Where can I go to a place to get something like that? Look, every week we make our little visit over there to Backwater Brewery there in Old Town. And every week they've got something different and unique. And Twinkie fills my cup and Twinkie fills my glass. And I am always amazed. Pun. Uh, of what they produce it's just it's just an amazing place when you go over there you're going to see a small quaint microbrewery that has an awesome lounge area 
two great guys who are laid back, will have an awesome conversation with you and give you a refined taste of either a cider or a lager that is going to knock your socks off. Bottom line. And you can't go wrong because one of my favorite things is to just try whatever the bartender enjoys. And Twinkie is not going to steer you wrong. Like you said, you just go, hey, dealer's choice. He's going to hook you up. And if you feel like you want to go between one or two, he'll give you a sample and let you know like, hey, this is going to taste like this. Make sure this is how you enjoy it. And they walk you through everything so you can get a little bit more educated on what you're drinking. Yeah, guys, this this is more of an experience instead of just a place to go get, you know, tipsy or or thing like that. This is a place where you can do something better than just grabbing a six pack from the local grocery or the corner gas station. Nothing like that. This is to get a truly unique local experience taste. and experience. And so go check them out, guys. They're open on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays in the afternoons till 10 o'clock. They are a wonderful place to hang out, great place to talk. And they have, like I said, amazing choices. They're right there at 9203 Highway 178. And they're also on Facebook and Instagram if you want to see some more pictures and different things that are going on. And that's at backwater.ms. And if you enjoy what you're drinking there, make sure you grab a growler so you can go ahead and take it home. Absolutely. Guys, it's now time for that fact of the week. And this is brought to you by Rob Long of the DeSoto County Museum, which is located in Hernando on Commerce Street across from the Area 51 Ice Cream Shop. They are open Tuesday through Saturday and have numerous exhibits for your viewing and learning pleasure. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Did you know the Camp Creek Shopping Center, which is Lowe's, Chick-fil-A, Walmart, and other businesses, was once a beloved area for residents to hang out before that side of Goodman Road became the hottest retail area in Olive Branch. The Camp Creek area used to be a picnic spot nicknamed the Old Woods. It had numerous sandbars for small fishing boats, as well as low-level water for playing and wading through on hot summer days, and very tall oaks that made shade for the area. Much like Maywood, it is a lost treasure of our past. That is a shame on multiple levels. I mean, A, what a great name for a picnic spot. Hey, let me take you to the old woods. Or maybe it's murder spot. I wonder if they check for dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm thinking Lover's Lane or Dump a Body. <laughs> like, there might be a true crime episode in there somewhere. I'll do my homework. <laughs> Guys, that wraps up our intro, and we're pretty excited about our outro with our post-game show with our local coaches. We're going to get to talk about all the Jamboree football games, the outcomes, players to watch, and give a little preview to next week when we start the season. Hope you all enjoy. With summer here, are you looking to start renovating? Well, North Mississippi Dumpster is the local business you want to contact. All you have to do is head over to DeSotoDumpsters.com. You'll be able to find all of your pricing and sizing needs. They're open seven days a week and have fantastic prices. They carry 13 and 20 yard roll-off dumpsters that are in great conditions so you don't have an eyesore sitting in your yard or on your job site. They service DeSoto, Tate, Marshall, and Tunica counties. So visit them at DeSotoDumpsters.com or give them a call at 901-299-0916. Is planning your summer getaway becoming too much of a hassle? Then reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher of Magical Destinations. Whether it's a trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or a tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destination is locally owned in Hernando, so give them a call today at 662-469-6304, or you can find them on Facebook or Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. 
Are you tired of an unimpressive lawn or need some help from a local professional to get your yard the way you want it? Look no further than Master Lawn for your weed control and fertilizing needs. Master Lawn has been serving the Olive Branch community and surrounding areas for over 25 years and is ready to add you to their long list of satisfied customers. Contact them today for a free quote through their website, www.masterlawninc.com or call 901-250-0873. Well, crew, our post-game show will officially start next week, but we had to get the coaches on this week to talk about the Jamborees. Each coach got to play a couple quarters uh, of varsity play and got an opportunity to talk to each of them about how everything went. Uh, They broke down some things, talked about positives, negatives, as well as uh, highlighted some kids who maybe had some special nights. It was a great experience, and I hope you all enjoy it. And so we're going to get all three coaches on here in a row, and then we'll wrap up the show. All right, guys, I've got Coach Hector now. And, Coach, man, we really appreciate you joining us and uh, look forward to talking to this game. So how's your weekend been watching film? Uh, it's been great. It's exciting to, um, you know, get back at it and have some film to watch and and, and now get into this weekend and, and you know, preparing for a, a regular season game is exciting. So we're, we're glad to be back playing, I can tell you that. I heard that, brother. I know with all these COVID concerns, every week seems like, oh, man, please don't let that be us get bit by it, but – so, Coach, how was your overall feeling when it came to playing Independence? I know that it took you a couple of days to get dry considering the conditions of the game, but uh, what was the overall feeling once the game was over? Yeah, you know, uh, we just kind of settle down and you, and you go back and watch the film. I, I was really proud of our guys, you know, comparing to uh, the spring when we played a spring game back in May. You know, there's some things that I, I felt like we did a lot better, you know, and there's some things that we – that we worked on very hard over the summer and, and through fall camp. And we, we saw those things improve in the game. So we're excited about that. There's obviously uh, some things that we've got to continue to clean up. And, uh, but you know, that's why you play this game. That's why you go and, and you schedule a, a jamboree game and, and get that stuff on film and, and get out and play somebody different, play under the Friday night lights. So I, again, I, I feel good about it. I'm, I'm excited about what our, our guys are doing. Again, we, we, we feel like we now know, specific things that we got to work on i agree with you coach you know when when i got to watch the tape and we got to talk just a little bit i think we kind of concurred on some things uh i think uh let's talk offensively i know you uh, had high expectations for your guys and i know a zero to zero score maybe to somebody who wasn't watching thanks god lord i guess we're not as high flying as exciting as they thought but considering that majority of the game was in downpour and the field was in extremely poor condition before the game even started. And I'm not making excuses. You know, it just led to a lot of things that you don't know, foresee and you, you, do, you hope you don't have to try to conquer on a, a game one jamboree. Uh, you know, but timing, um, you know, some opportunities. Of course, uh, turnovers were huge. I mean, when you have sloppy conditions and rain, turnovers are come with it. And I know you all had your handful of those. Uh, but offensively, what were some things you felt strong about, and maybe uh, some things that you really want to highlight that we got to really focus on? You know, um, I, you know, I really felt like when the game was over, we had guys that that understood and and kind of even brought up before anything was said to them some of the mistakes that they made. You know, so that was exciting. That you know, I, I felt like again back in the spring, we would call a play and, and they just ran it. You know, I don't know how much they fully understood what we were trying to accomplish and and the overall scheme where I think we're starting to understand that a little bit. Um, you know, but again, you talk about the, the field conditions and that's the first time we've had that. You know, we've we've been hot and dry all summer and all, all fall camp and 
and but you know we've got to learn how to play in those conditions as well so um you know I, I love the way that our guys competed I love the fact that you know they were able to kind of talk through issues and understand um, again what we were trying to accomplish and kind of where some of those issues were so it, that's exciting it's it, it kind of makes sure that we're a step in the right direction but you know we've definitely got some things to clean up and you know, one of the probably the biggest thing that stood out to me was was just our timing was off. We had we had guys that on multiple occasions were wide open and, and maybe we rushed the throw. And we had a couple of occasions where, you know, maybe we cut the route off a little bit too quick. And, you know, and that's just, you know, the adrenaline of a plane on a Friday night, especially being the first one, you, you know, it's uh, you get a little bit more amped up. And it it takes a week or two to kind of know how to calm those nerves and, and not get too. Uh, let that kind of get you too excited. Uh, so I know that we'll be able to kind of get that that fixed. And, you know, the second thing on, on offense that stood out to me was raw offensive line play. You know, I felt like uh, our, our initial drive off the ball was really, really good. Uh, I don't I don't think we finished very well. I, I didn't see guys finishing blocks. I didn't see guys, uh, you know, continuing to block. Uh, until the whistle and it almost kind of a block. And then let me, let me find out where the ball is. And I tell them all the time, if if you let that guy go, you, you don't know where he went and he's probably going to the football, you know, so we got to continue to block until the whistle. And, uh, but again, these are things that are correctable. And, and again, something that we know this week that we have to, uh, we have to work on. I agree coach 100%. They, uh, when I watch the tape and, you know, and, and we talked for a few minutes, you know, I, I'm an offensive line guy, so that's what I watch first. You know, I want to see a guy be aggressive, come off the ball. I don't want to see numbers until he's standing up and the play's over. And, uh, you know, a couple of your guys were, were doing pretty good, but as collectively you want to see them all finishing and maybe the whistles haven't been blown an extra time or two because they still got their mitts on somebody taking them for a free ride down the field or something, you know. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we, we want. We, we. I always enjoyed having a pancake breakfast either on Saturday mornings or Monday mornings or something after a ball game, and you know, and highlighting the guys who went the extra mile and put some pancakes out there, a few roaches, whatever you want to call it. I mean, because that's what happened in the county wide. I mean, I've talked to Coach Russell, Coach Peacock, watched those games, and collectively, those teams had numerous pancakes. And believe it or not, both teams had penalties because the offensive linemen were blocking way past the whistle to finish somebody, and basically to embarrass them, and they got the penalty they deserve, but. You talk about getting a sideline excited. You talk about an offensive line that's you know amped, and their objective is to embarrass their opponent and not worried about whether or not the running back got the yardage. They're they're only looking at the guy in front of them, and so uh, I look forward to seeing Lewisburg, you know, kind of meeting that challenge and, and those guys really coming coming out of their shoes to do that kind of stuff. Because I'll be honest with you, that's more rewarding in my mind as a former offensive lineman to use somebody else's body to get up off the ground. You know what I mean? You know, because it lets them know where they stand, and they better not mess with your number again. So. Uh, I look forward to seeing you correct that, Coach. And uh, like you said, your timing a little bit, that's that's conditions, weather, nerves. Um, but, man, when y'all did connect, you had some big plays. I mean, uh, you were kind of in your end zone in a bad situation, did a beautiful rollout play, uh, hit a guy in the flats, took it for 60, 70 yards. Uh, you had several big-time plays. And then, of course, turnovers cost you big time in the, uh, in the end. So, like I said, I think you correct those two things, you're going to be solid. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, our guys take, you know, tremendous pride in what they do. And, and I know they're going to come back and work on these things. And, and um, uh, you know, again, it's that's why, why we play it. And, and we're excited. You know, we, you know, you talk about turnovers. We had we had an interception and, and lost one fumble. And, you know, you, you've got to make sure that you protect the football regardless of conditions. And I'd much rather uh, learn that lesson and one that doesn't count 
um, in, in the win-loss column and, you know, make sure we don't have those happen later on because we will play in conditions again, I'm sure of it. Yes, sir. So, Coach, defensively, uh, I was impressed, Coach. You know, when the first, the game first started, you could tell that uh, nerve, you know, your doubt were in play with some of the times. But, man, by the third or fourth play, I think your defensive line was pinning their ears back. And they were coming hard. Your secondary did a fantastic job of, you know, creating an umbrella, you know, a great bend-don't-break kind of style defense in the secondary. Um, and so I, I was really impressed with those two guys. I mean, Independence didn't really make big plays. Uh, the defensive line caused problems, created sacks, caused fumbles, things like that. And, you know, the only spot I saw that maybe could use a little help was the linebacker core. You know, it looked like they were playing more of the umbrella than they were playing, you know, aggressive linebacker play. And that could be just the style of defense or how coach is asking. I don't know. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, with the – Four three set, or well, you all had kind of a hybrid, uh, you know, cover two set. You know, your Mike linebacker was at distance, and he really didn't step up and play, and he played lateral, and uh, that's not common, but that might be y'all scheme. But uh, you know, when they were blitzing, they had their ears back and coming. Uh, but as for that, you know, that's the only thing I saw defensively because overall they played well. Uh, they did, and and you know, again, you you know, you kind of get in a situation where you're you're not really sure exactly what you're going to see offensively. You know, we don't game plan this we don't trade tape anything like that so you know kind of learn it on the fly but you know that's friday nights you know guys aren't gonna you, you know teams are always going to come out there with something different every friday night it's not exactly what you saw on, on film and and we've got to be able to adjust and uh but you know our, our defensive guys we played you know 38 snaps of defense and <laughs> you know in, in half and that's that's a lot and, and and some of it was you know we we had a uh we forced a fumble we picked it up and and uh, looked like we were going to go score for a second, and next thing you know, we we fumble the ball, and they get the ball right back. Uh, so it flipped the field, uh, but it just kept our defense out there a little bit longer. So, um, you, you know, they ran again thirty eight plays, and and only gained uh, eighty two total yards of offense. Uh, rushed twenty six times, um, you know, for for thirty three yards. So. Um, Again, I, I'm I'm pretty impressed with with how our, our defense played, especially the the amount of reps they played. We definitely got to get better with you know with that linebacker um, uh, group. You know they're a young group, and but you know in our conditioning, I think up front's probably got to get a little bit better as well. But again, just that the effort and and how they continue to get better as the uh, as the game went on, I, I was real impressed with our defense. Coach, I, I will give you that. Like you said, 38 snaps is a lot for a half. And uh, you guys were far better conditioned than Independence was. I, I noticed that by fourth, fifth play, they already had guys with hands on their hips and stuff. And again, you know, that, it's a jamboree. It's a learning exercise. And, you know, this is where you, how you evaluate. But, Coach, I can tell you overall, I notice people might be, you know, maybe a little upset or worried about a 0-0. But anybody who watched the game and saw the conditions and saw how things were going, y'all were in command. You handled yourself on defense very well. Offensively, the people, the only people who stopped you were yourselves. Um, you know, you had you had at least four or five big passes that could have been uh, caught for big yardage. I know a couple of times your big tight end, it was, you know, within inches of a big play, uh, you had a drop, and, you know, you threw over the head of another. I mean, so – uh, little things like that, man, those things connect. It's a whole different ball to whack. Uh, again, I think you should hang your heads high, and going into this first game, I think you're going to do really well. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, like I said, we're trying to trying to see the silver lining in it, but, you know, again, we understand what this game was about, and, you know, it's about coming back and, and learning and, and getting better. And I know our guys are hungry to do that. We're excited to get back to work uh, this week and, and get some of these things cleaned up. 
So, Coach, let's talk about next week. Who is our first game, and what can we expect from that team? Uh, we're uh, we're going to host Lake Cormorant, so we get to open a season at home in Jamestown. So we're excited about the the atmosphere. We're excited about the crowd. We're excited about our competition. I tell you, we got we've got some competition coming. I'm watching these guys now, and man, they're extremely athletic. Uh, they've got a quarterback that uh, is a three year starter for them that is just one of the toughest kids uh, I've seen play in, in, in a long, long time and, and has such really nice touch on, on especially the deep ball. You know, like I said, he's he's a handful and, you know, at any point in time, he could pull that thing down and go and it's trouble. I'm looking up front. They are big and strong up front when they get their hands on you, kind of what we're talking about with our offensive line. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're looking to finish you out. So um, we, we've got our hands full, but, um, you know, the, the good thing is, man, you play teams like this, it, it, it brings the best out of you. I mean, that's what competition's about. And, you know, we can't be the best version of ourselves or we don't have somebody that's going to kind of push us to, to pull that out. So we're excited about playing them. And, um, again, we, we've got a big challenge up coming this week. No doubt, Coach. You, you mentioned that Lake Comrade offensive line. They've got two jokers that are monster uh, right tackle and maybe the center. Uh, they're go getters. They put paws on you. It could be it'll be the last time you might see them for a while. They're they're pretty talented. A lot of speed. They have team speed across the board. Because uh, like I said, we played them Friday night uh, at Center Hill. The thing that Center Hill was able to do that really uh, disrupted their offense was you know uh, if you can disrupt their timing. They're they're heavy on their timing. You know they if they want to throw a deep ball, he needs a full three steps and a step into the pass to make that pretty ball you're talking about. And uh, you know if you can disrupt that, it makes it makes a big difference. Uh, but yeah, you got you definitely got a good challenge ahead of you, Coach. Uh, Coach Nestor does a does a good job over at Lake Comrade, and uh, it should make for a great Friday night game. Yeah, like I said, it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I expect a, a, an electric atmosphere, and and again, like like you said, Coach Nestor does an unbelievable job, and, and those kids play so hard and together with a lot of pride. So it's going to be fun. We're we're really looking forward to uh, again getting out there under the lights, playing a real game, and you know just having some fun doing what we do. Well, look, I coach. I hope you have a great week. Uh, enjoy this weather. It's supposed to be nice all week and on Friday. Should make for uh, good conditions for Friday night. And I'd like to see that ball be slung around, a lot of points be on the board. And we're wishing Lewisburg all the great luck and uh, go get that W, Coach. Hey, I sure appreciate it. Man, Coach, thanks again for your time. We look forward to talking to you this next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys and gals, I've got my next coach on deck, and that is Coach Alan Peacock. Coach, how we doing today, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. I hear you, man. Well, I know it had to feel pretty good after last night. I saw a pretty miraculous last-minute drive go basically the length of the field and get you the W versus a very talented Holmes County Central. How the how the kids uh, enjoy the night after that? Oh man, they were they were they were excited, man. It was it was kind of crazy there right at the end. You know, we scored. It was really the the clock said three point one, but really with no time left because um, I think the clock didn't run. And so you know, our sideline kind of went crazy. We you know went ran out there to kick the extra point, and you know we were missing like four guys. You know, so you know had to get on to them about that a little bit. But uh, but glad they were excited. It was the only touchdown scored. In six quarters of football, there's only only one scored all night. So, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a good deal. You know, it's funny you say that, Coach. You know, just down the street at Lewisburg, they played Independence, and that game was scoreless as well. So, it was a common trend on the east side of the county last night. Obviously, in, in football, the, the defenses always are ahead of the offenses uh, early on. Um, uh, but I, I saw a, a lot of scores on Twitter last night, and 
and uh, there were there were a good many that were that were goose eggs. Well, it, it happens, man. But at least you got to evaluate your kids. But I got to tell you, man, I wasn't sure how the game was going to go. I know we had a we had a pretty gut wrenching injury or potential injury right in the beginning of the ball game. Uh, your senior leader that you have talked about over and over again, Mark Holmes, uh, went down with an arm injury. Uh, do you want to update everybody on what's going on with that and how Mark's doing? Yeah, I think he's doing good. He um, uh, dislocated his elbow. It looked like crazy looking on, on the sideline or whatnot. But uh, um, I think he's doing all right. He, he got it set and it's going to be in a cast uh, for a little bit. But uh, I think he'll hopefully – you know, bounce back fast and, and be able to play some here, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later everything, and everything heals up and, and goes well. But, you know, just a great, great kid, great leader for us. Um, and you it's that for any kid, a senior, you know, junior, whatever, but especially a senior, start your senior year, man, you just hate to see it. And especially as, as good of a kid as Mark is, especially means to our team. Absolutely, Coach. I see you had to bring in the, the backup quarterback who happens to be also be your starting defensive end and uh, – he seemed to held it together pretty well and, and did pretty strong. I know he was a little rusty in some parts, but how do you think he's fared considering the situation? Uh, he, he did well, man. Um, you know, we, we, when Mark got hurt in the Lake Cormorant game, we actually finished that game, or at least part of it, with a sophomore named Jaden Logan and did well. And then uh, Eric, um, who was kind of our true backup but doesn't, doesn't practice at quarterback a whole lot because he starts on defense, we uh, we wanted to get him some reps in the second game, and he came in against uh, against Holmes and really did a good job. Uh, you know, it's it's funny he probably actually has more over the course of his career. He probably has a little more game experience at quarterback than Mark does because he played JV quarterback when he was a sophomore, and Mark started on defense. So um, he's he's played a good bit of JV quarterback. He's a big kid, so he's physical and, and runs pretty decent. Scored the only touchdown on a broken uh, – on a pass play that just kind of broke down and he, and he escaped the pocket. Um, uh, but just was really impressed with coming in and, and, and kind of do what he did is from the – not just the run game, but from throwing a couple of passes um, to get us down in scoring position and whatnot. Uh, just really impressed with, with how he handled it. Awesome, Coach. I think uh, offensively, Coach, if we just want to get to the nuts and bolts of it, I think y'all did pretty well in some areas, but I think you struggled in a lot of areas. And when I talked to a few of the assistants at the game when I was there, uh, it was kind of more or less moving the pieces around and trying to see if guys are going to excel in certain positions, especially the offensive line. Would you concur with those assessments? Yeah, so, um, you know, we actually – our starting center, uh, Zach Hines, did something to his thumb – uh, probably like Wednesday of this week, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, and then went um, and got got it looked at, and they put him in a brace, and he could have played center, but he was going to have to get it taped up real good and everything, and we were considering making a move anyway, so we just went ahead and, and made the move and put him at guard and put uh, Demarius Malone, Dusty, uh, at center with really no practice time, other than no no padded practice time, put it that way. We, we didn't practice Thursday because we were supposed to have meet the Mustangs. We were in the gym one of those days because of rain. And then, you know, obviously the game was Friday night. So, But, again, he played it as a freshman and as, and as a sophomore. So he had he had experience at it, but, but had again, had very little practice at it uh, leading up to the game Friday night. I understand. 
Well, Coach, I can tell you this. Your running back core looked like they were well in tune. I didn't see very many errors at all when it comes to how y'all shift, you do your motions. Seems like the only time we had an issue is is that, which was what seemed to be pretty frequent, is the officials like to get their flags dirty by doing simple delay of game or uh, errors when offensive line putting their hands down. You want to explain that? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they we had a couple of linemen that were um... – you know, they're using their, their, their off hand to kind of get themselves set in the stance. And like, we got a couple of flags on that. We got a couple of flags or warnings um, on, you know, we, we back our own line way up off the ball to help uh, with our scoops and, and our veers and stuff. And so, uh, especially in the JV game, we got a couple of flags where they were saying our offensive linemen were not, you know, up on the line of scrimmage enough. You know, but we we tell our alignment, look, we want you back. We want them to have to warn us. We want them to come to me and say, hey, you got to scoot your lineup. You got to scoot your lineup. So it was really kind of what we want. Now we were a little far back and we got we got to fix that. But but uh, I wasn't I wasn't worried about it at all. Gotcha. Now, Coach, I know we, we, we joked last time and we talked about how, you know, you are a 99.989% you know, running football team. But uh, I got to tell you, you've got some excitement in the stands. You had several completed passes and a few of them were pretty big and large, especially towards the end of the game. Was that kind of a surprise or was that just kind of something you kind of keep in the tool bag when you need it? Well, I think it's just something, you know, we're going to run the football and, and we know that and everybody knows that. And, you know, our fans may not like it a whole lot, but it's, it's what we do. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to we're going to take what we feel like the defense has given us. And, you know, when you only got a quarter of a game, you don't get a whole lot of snaps and, and you're you're trying to work on stuff, which we're going to work on the run game. But then there at the end, you know, with what they were doing, we need to throw the football to, to kind of get them out of it. And we were able to hit some big plays. Um, you know, they were playing a lot of man coverage. We were able to slip our, our slot or A-backs out um, and hit hit two wheel routes uh, back-to-back, I think, um, to get us down in scoring position. And then Eric was able to run it in. Yeah, it was nice, Coach. You know, you're talking about a defense that is anchored by two Division One commits uh, with uh, Holmes County Central. you got a kid who's going to Miami and a kid going to – I believe Georgia Southern or Alabama, so I can't remember which one, uh, playing at both end caps of the corners. And so it was pretty impressive to see y'all move the ball as well as you did, especially towards the end of the game versus defense that had a lot of talent coming against you. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, I think that's the great thing about what we do is it's so different. It's it's hard to prepare for, especially, you know, when you, you don't see it very often. Um, and, you know, they had those two kids that both play corner well, we would put our receivers on the same side and, and they put both of them over there. And so, you know, we just, we just put them and ran the opposite way. So we, we moved those two division one guys to one side and ran the football the other way and threw the football the other way once or twice. So, um, you know, again, that's one of the great, great things about what we do, but yeah, both those kids are great players. I think the one is that the coach's son, coach Rogers son, and he's going to, committed to Miami, and then the other one is committed to South Alabama, I believe, is where he's committed to. Gotcha. Coach, well, I got to tell you, man, uh, I was uh, a little nervous going into the ball game. You know, last year I got to watch Lake Comrade and Olive Branch play and duke it out, and Lake Comrade was a pretty salty uh, club in the spring. A lot of speed, a lot of talent, a lot of air raid, just guys flying to the football. Uh, and to see that y'all were able to hold them to, you know, zero points, uh, and as well, able to move the ball kind of decently, even after Mark fell. 
um, you know, that's, that's a testament to you guys. I think your defense really stood up. I know you got some youth out there, but you had a lot of consistency with your defense is what I could tell. How would you assess your defense uh, to, you know, to somebody who maybe was just watching it, you know, and wouldn't understand? I, I thought they played well. You know, both of those teams uh, traditionally have a ton of athletes. Um, like Cormorant, usually really good. We've played them, you know, heck, I think every year I've been at Center Hill, so like 11 times now. Uh, Coach Nestor does a great job. So I was really proud of our defense. We did. We let their quarterback break contain a couple times. That hurt us. Uh, but other than that, I thought we played really well. Our D-line, man, I thought, I thought really played well. Um, Eric being one of those kids and then, uh, our nose, uh, James Jones, other than other than a little bit of a late hit penalty um, to extend a drive, he played really well, used his hands good. Um, and then our other end, uh, Delvin Johnson, uh, same thing. They just they played well. They played hard. You know, our outside linebackers, you know, made him escape the pocket, made him made him hurry throws and some things like that on some blitzes. Uh, I know Jason Painter was back there two or three times and, and he either we got a sack or we made him, you know, move on the run and have to throw on the run. Um, so like I said, I thought we did some good things. Well, if anything, like you just said, I think you made their offense uncomfortable and they weren't really able to get into sync with what they wanted to do most of the time. And, uh, I think that was good reason for your success when it comes to that and why there was a zero on the board. Uh, Coach, offensively, I noticed that um, your offensive line, like we mentioned ago, they fired off the ball hard. They struggled in some places. Like you said, the running back core was doing good. But would you say there was anybody who stood out that really kind of surprised you or kind of stepped up as a, as a leader that uh, for the ball game to kind of follow as an example for the others? I mean, I think, uh, I mean, you know, on the offensive line side, I think Zach Hines is, is, is right now our our best O lineman, and he's vocal. He got to got to watch himself a little bit. He got a block in the back that that called a play back. So he plays with great effort, uh, and, and you love to see that. You know, you love to see an O lineman getting downfield and getting after it. But at the same time, you got to be smart and uh, not put put our offense in bad positions because we obviously don't want to be behind the chains. Um, yeah, I thought our O line played well for the most part. Our pass protection was good, probably better than it's been against a really talented. Uh, athletic defensive front missing things you know uh jb uh, i know we missed some 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 blocks right at the point of attack where you know one guy thought the guard was making the block the guard thought the tackle was making the block and nobody made the block um and it happened once or twice in varsity not as much but um you know it's all like we we're talking about with one of my coaches today it's all fixable stuff it wasn't just overmatched it wasn't not trying to do do what they're supposed to do just just got to get a little bit better at some things yeah, I agree, Coach. Well, look, I, I think, again, I think they did well. Uh, congratulations on getting that dub versus the Holmes County Central. But let's talk about pre- preparation for next week. Like you said, you've got Clarksdale coming up on Friday. What are you What are you looking at for these guys? What kind of offense, defense, uh, any special kids they have? Anything you want to tell the listener to be looking out for for next Friday? Yeah, um, I hadn't got a chance to watch a whole lot of film on them yet, but um, you know they're well coached. Coach Johnson, he's been there for several years now, does a great job. He's won multiple state titles uh, at West Bolivar when he was there. Um, just a, a really, really good coach, really good guy. They're going to be well coached. They're going to be athletic. I think, again, it comes down to we can't turn the ball over and we got to execute. Uh, they're going to be talented. Um, just like the two teams we played this week, they're going to be a 4-3 on defense. Um, they'll be 
Uh, some version of spread on offense, I think, from what little bit of film I've seen on them last year. You know, just again, it's a it's a storied program, and you want to go down there and just uh, you know shoot both barrels and, and see what happens. I heard that, coach. Well, coach, I hope everybody stays healthy this week for practice, and uh, the rain stays away. Looks like we're going to have a good week of weather, and y'all have a, a safe trip down there. We're looking forward to watching the game, and we appreciate you joining us again. And look forward to next week to talk about the Clarksdale game. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bro. Hey guys and gals, I've got Coach Jason Russell, and he's here with us to discuss Friday night's ball game. That was versus Corinth Warriors, uh, the Jamboree. Got to play a couple quarters of those. Coach, how are we doing today, Bo? I'm doing great. Doing great. Just getting ready to go for this first uh, first big game of the regular season right now. I hear you, man. And, and so the first game is going to be versus Memphis Tresman. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, heard big that. game, uh, first home game. Uh, something really kind of special about it. We're gonna we're gonna honor that ten year. Uh, reunion for the for, for the state championship in 2011. So we're going to throw those guys at halftime. So uh, if you're listening to this and you happen to be a member of that 2011 football team, uh, make sure you come out. We'd like to celebrate you guys. Just such a big accomplishment, a uh, big part of OB history, and we would like to celebrate that at the game. Absolutely. We'll put that on the show notes as well and on social media to make sure we get them out there. But, Coach, let's talk about Corinth, man. Got to watch some of the game tape, but uh, what is your overall feeling coming out of the game? Well, you know, as, as with anything on a jamboree, okay, so I was really excited about some parts of our game, and I, you know, I thought we showed that we were a very explosive offense. I thought defensively we played really, really well with the exception of two plays. A couple lapses there on defense, and that's the reason they got 14 points. Uh, we did have a, uh, a turnover, had an interception, and they got a short field, but we managed to stop them, and they just got the three points there. So their 17 points literally came off of two big plays and an interception and, and a stop. So I was really, really proud of how our defense played. Uh, of course, our offense, you know, we scored 28 points in, the, in, a, in one half, and that's pretty explosive. So... Uh, we did a lot of good things, but, you know, I, I say that, and then there's a lot that we can improve on. I mean, there's a lot of things that we need to get better at. We, uh, you know, offensively, we had way too many unforced errors. You know, a false start, we had to delay a game. Uh, we need to do, do some things a little bit better. You know, and I always talk to our kids. When I talk to them, I say, you know, small details win big games. And when you get in a big game, those little small details can make the difference between a you know, a field goal or a touchdown or, you know, and, and that's what it all comes down to when, you, when you're when you trying to win the big ones. I couldn't agree with you more, Coach. Uh, and you, I think you're absolutely right on your analysis of your team. Um, you know, I thought the defense was pretty darn strong. I think that um, it showed some areas that have inexperience, but I saw kids flying around the ball uh, and being aggressive. I thought that was real strong. Uh, your front four came off the ball really, really well, uh, especially your left defensive end. He was uh, he was a hot motor. Uh, you, you talked about your uh, your young uh, linebacker core or inexperienced because you graduated so many. I know they had some you know, a few issues, and you could tell the youth was out there or inexperienced. But I, I felt strongly about um, you had an inside linebacker at number twenty four. Guy was flying to the football, trying to make plays, a good downhill step, and as soon as the ball was snapped, a lot of, lot of, lot of things I noticed there showed quality coaching and uh, quality reception of that coaching. You know, do you, would you agree with those? Well, yeah, I think I think Brandon Jackson and the defensive staff are doing a phenomenal job working with those kids, and you know we've got talent. And the thing I say all the time is that we've got great overall team speed, and uh, we pre- I preach to the kids all the time that if we will rally to the football with the amount of speed that we have on the field defensively, even if we make an error, we can overcome that error because we can, we're hustling to the ball constantly. 
And there was one clip last night. Coach Jackson slapped me on the shoulder because we watched the film when we got back as a staff. And uh, he slaps me on the shoulder and says, see it, see it? Yes, I do. And it was our pursuit drill. It was a perfect example of what we practiced day in and day out. And I'm telling you, there were 11 guys flying to the football, and there was nowhere for that receiver to go after he caught the football. And I was so proud to see that with our guys. No you know, doubt, Like I said, they did get a couple big plays on us. But if you look at it, uh, they ran some misdirection stuff. And one of those plays where they had a big big run, we, we bought the misdirection. We got ourselves out of position and out of our gap, and, and they exploited that. Um, the other time we kind of ran ourselves at the linebacker spot, we kind of ran ourselves out of the gap. And they, they exploited that. So those are the two big runs, you know, that they had. And uh, You take that away, and, and I, I'm, I need to sit down and try to figure out exactly how many yards they would have without those two plays. But I would say it's it's less than 50 and a half. No, there's no doubt, Coach. I think the only time you ever struggled on defense was when it came to misdirection. Anytime they ran anything that was power, ISO, or directly at you in any straight form or fashion, uh, y'all were on the ball, uh, on the hunt immediately. Uh, like you just said, anytime yeah. you, we, we took a bite for the first misdirection, it's the only time I saw them get any positive yards of five and plus. Unless, of course, yeah. you know the guy made a good move and somebody you know missed the first tackle. So, again, I think your defense was very strong. I think Coach Jackson and his staff have done a phenomenal job. But let's talk about offense, Coach. And the first thing i got to tell you, I know you got a lot of speed out there. And I saw your quarterback who's running like, like a wild man. I saw a running back that made, uh, what was that, 70, 80-yard touchdown uh, from the distance. Yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you, you yeah. know, being an offensive line guy, I am thoroughly impressed. Coach Jones has done a phenomenal job. I know you're an offensive line guy, and I'm not going to be afraid to admit it. Yeah. Your left guard and your left tackle, I want you to name who they are. Yeah. They showed out. I don't know how many pancakes, roaches, whatever y'all like to call them, yeah. but it was impressive to see yeah. how aggressive your left side of your offensive line came out for the ball game. Well, you know, and that's that's incredible, you know, and they did. Uh, you turn on the film, they had some phenomenal plays and everything, and, you know, for us, we look at it, and we're still, we still feel like those two have not matched their potential. You know, they're really, really good football players, two senior players, um, and, and Mason Holmes at left tackle, and then Pat Bell at left guard, and the two guys can, can really play the game, but, you know, honestly, they probably didn't have their best game. They would say that same thing themselves. But that their game, they have such an, a, a high threshold uh, of ability. Uh, we flip on the film, and you know they're not happy with how they perform. And, and we know that they can do better. But we flip on the film, and we've got pancakes everywhere with those two guys. So even a, a, not a great night on their, as the way that they're concerned. It's still a pretty good night for most folks. The way I look at that, Coach, is, is that, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you can always refine your art. Better steps, right. better fit and finish, all those things. You know, but from a spectator standpoint, when you see kids who finish, like we talked about last time we spoke, guys who are going to have mm -hmm. that grit, that dog in them that's going after it, that's not something you can coach. And so if that kid has got that and they're doing that kind of stuff and all you're having to worry about is refining the finer details to make them that ultimate player, uh, that, that's what I think mm -hmm. kudos deserve. And it's just like your running back and your quarterback. I mean, great, great wheels. I mean, making kids move, yeah. miss right and left, making plays. Very impressive. Yeah. You know, first off, we always talk about it, man. I, I, I think, you know, it all comes down to the players, the athletes we have on the field and the, and the coaching staff we have working with those guys. We have – you know, our offensive staff with Justin Jones working with the offensive line. And um, and then, you know, you got Jay Jones uh, calling the plays and quarterbacks. And 
uh, Justin Riley with those running backs does a phenomenal job year after year after year here at Olive Branch. I mean, those running backs are always good uh, traditionally. And then TJ Moore with the receivers. I mean, it, we just got it. We've got a phenomenal crew that does a great job getting those kids prepared. And we talk about it every day. You know, we talk about how um, that we're going to get them, make sure that we're in, they're in the right spot to be successful. And uh, I think our kids significantly believe in that. Um, I think they are bought into the system that we have and they have a trust that we're going to put them in the right position to be successful. And those guys are doing a phenomenal job. I agree, Coach. I think offensively, like you said earlier, the only time that y'all got stopped is when you stopped yourselves. Um, mental mistakes, penalties, drop ball, interception. Yeah. To my knowledge, me watching it and evaluating it, you know, and of course I'm just an average Joe, that seems to be the only thing that slowed y'all down or even came to a complete stop. I think y'all, uh, when y'all refine that offensively, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, that's, and that's something we've got to address. I mean, that, that, you know, those kind of things are unacceptable. When you have a penalty, you know, when you have an effort penalty, that's one thing. When you have a penalty that you can completely avoid by simply getting lined up quicker or, or having the mental focus not to jump off sides, those things for coaches drive us crazy um, because it does take away from what we're able to do offensively. Um, and, you know, the statistics show that it's much less likely to score on drives when you have, you know, a, a penalty of 10 yards or greater. That's what we saw, you know, the, the drives where we struggled, we had 10, 15-yard penalties on those drives. And we just, we, we got to avoid those, find a way to fix that that issue. And, you know, we'll be a better team because of it. Absolutely. Uh, Coach, uh, who were some of the kids that stood out for you offensively and maybe stood out for you defensively that you would like to mention? Well, you know, I was sitting, I was sitting down thinking about it earlier and thinking about the touches and, and what we did. And, you know, we, we do have a touch chart where we, what we're, what I mean by that is we have, where we have, we have so many athletes spread out across the field. We want to make sure that each guy gets an opportunity to, to possess the football, to get, make sure we're getting those guys, uh, touches on the football. And, you know, we had four different guys score touchdowns. And uh, we 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 rotated running backs with with uh, Traylon Oliver had a huge game. Then Jacoby uh, Walls came in ran the ball really really well. Um, and then we went to the to the uh, JV game and Corey Williams shows out in the JV game. You know, so we really have three backs that we feel really confident with running the football. Um, you know, we had a big touchdown pass on a post route uh, by Darren Wilson. A great catch. You know, accelerated all the way through and. Stuck his arms out at the last second and made the catch in the end zone. That was a great play. Uh, Keyshawn Sessom in our goal line package from the football, and he did a great job. He had a big touchdown. He also caught several screens, and uh, you know that's not that, that's not something these kids have done in a few years. And they, but they they did a great job on those screens and getting out there and blocking the line. Did and and uh, he caught the ball and made some some big time plays on that. And then uh, DJ Arden. Had a big touchdown, uh, I think about 30-yard touchdown reception. And, you know, DJ Harden started for us at defensive end last year, and now he's our tight end H-back. And, and you would thought he had played it his entire career the way he played it last night. So uh, I'm real proud of those guys. I thought they really stood out. That's phenomenal, Coach. Yeah, when you talked about the screenplay, uh, you ran uh, what I call window dressing. When you run a running back out into the – to the sideline and throw your bubble screen back to the other side and open the field wide open like you always talk about making a defense you know defend the entire width of the field uh, and both both times you ran it you had high success I, I, I thought that was pretty notable yeah I, I love that screen I've done that one for for years and years and 
Um, honestly, something I took back from when I had Jack Abraham and Metcalf and all those guys. We used to run that screen a whole lot when I was back at Oxford uh, back in 2015. And um, that was one of our favorite screens. And so we brought that back. And you know, it's, it's a fun one. You know, there's a lot of options on it. A lot of, uh, like you said, a lot of window dressing. Eyes got to go everywhere on the field. And, you know, that's hard for a defense to have to look all the way left and right and have to come back to the other side. And, you know, it's, a, it's always a good play. Well, it's a it's a solid call versus that defense, Coach. I'm not going to lie to you. Corinth's defense, you call it trendy. I call it whack. Um, the three deep, single Mike linebacker in the box. I mean, I've lived by a rule. If you're a spread offense and they got five in the box, you run the football. And every time they had a true five yeah. in the box, y'all were eating them alive with your interior run game or off-edge run game. And uh, why yeah. adjustments really weren't made until like the very end and when they started bringing pressure and everything else, I'll never understand that uh, rationale. Yeah. That was tough. That's, that's tough to watch because I feel like you know y'all were able to take advantage of what they were doing, and given that might be a team that's learning their own phases of you know their football and evaluating stuff. But uh, when you're gashing them right and left, when you've got your guards pulling up into the line and making you know five and ten yard daggers into them every time, and they're not bringing anybody else to support the linebacker, I just I'll never understand that. But hey, that's good coaching on y'all's part. Take advantage of what the defense gives you, and you know, be effective at doing it. Well, that's you know. Everybody hears the word spread offense. Everybody thinks finesse, and it can be furthest from the, from the truth. Honestly, the way we have, the way we do it, spread offense is just taking what the defense gives you. I mean, if they're if they're outside, we go inside. If they're inside, we go outside. And you know, that's really kind of our our motto is we're just going to take what the defense does. Is I feel like we're a balanced offense. We can throw the ball well enough to, to hurt you and, and, and to win outside. We can run the ball well enough to hurt you and win inside. So. Uh, you kind of just have to balance up and be pretty base against us, um, you know. And then we try to take advantage of that as well. You know, if you're trying to apex that linebacker, and you know, which which means that linebacker is halfway between your tackle and your, your your first receiver or your slot receiver. If they try to do that, then we've got games that we can take care of that and we can take advantage of that. So uh, we feel like we have answers, you know, in our offense for for everything. We're not one dimensional to just the run. We're not one dimensional to the pass, but. You know, I, I think, you know, you're talking about those big guys up front. I mean, we still live on physicality. It's still a game that's won by blocking and tackling and who can be more physical. And, I, and I, we, we preach those things all the time. And uh, I'm excited about how our kids play. Absolutely. Coach, I mean, that's, that's a big win for you guys over there. A great testament to how y'all started out the season. And I think it gives a lot of motivation to how y'all are going to go. But looks looks to the real season now. we got Memphis Tresman coming up. What do you expect from this team, and what are y'all preparing for when it comes to it? Well, you know, I've been watching a little bit of film on this morning, um, and you know, they're they're offensively they're, they're a little bit more of a traditional high backfield and and going to run the ball downhill. And it's an offense that I ran uh, for years, uh, probably my first five years in coaching, and so it's uh, something I'm very familiar with. It's something that people have to prepare net for nowadays because so many people have either gone to spread or something else. So it's not an offense you see on time anymore. You know that'll be that'll be a test for our defense up front. You know because they're going to come right at you. And then defensively, you know honestly they're they're real similar. They're in a four three defense for us, so it's something that we're pretty comfortable with and preparing for. Thought it was great going back to last week. Uh, we got an opportunity to see an odd man front, you know, and we're a four down front, so it kind of it gave us an opportunity to prepare for something we're going to see throughout the season. Jim Bree. Um, and this week we'll kind of go back to something that's a little bit more familiar, something that we're more used to in that 4-3 base defense. 
uh, you know, you get a heavier package in there and, uh, and, and you, you bring more guys in the box and they're going to walk an extra guy down, take a safety out and, uh, play a single high look with a five, five, three. And, uh, you know, so I doubt they'll do a whole lot of that against us just be, because of what we do. Um, but I would expect that four, three base look against us. Gotcha. Do they have any, uh, any special players that you need to keep an eye on? Anybody you, uh, maybe is a uh, key on, you know, like when I used to coach and a lot of teams I've been with football is won by Jim's and Joe's, not always X's and O's. And so is there, do they have any special players over there to draw a concern? Well, yeah, the, you know, the one that, that sticks out right now, just what I've seen on them is a running back. They've got a really good running back. We're going to have to tackle and, you know, game tackle and, you know, make sure that we get more than one guy to him every time he can slip that first tackle every time. So, uh, the more guys we can populate the football, you know, I think we're better off we're going to be. So, you know, and they, they've got good team speed and they play, they play hard and it looks like they were quite excited and fired up for their first regular season game. So, uh, which was that, you know, of course they have one regular season game, a couple scrimmages ahead of us. So, you know, it'll, it'll be a test. Excited about it. Coach, I can't thank you enough for your time uh, this weekend. And again, congratulations to you and your players uh, for a successful jamboree. And we look forward to uh, seeing how the week progresses and Friday night's results. Absolutely. I'm excited about it. We've got a long way to go, but I'm excited about what we were able to accomplish Friday night. Good deal, Coach. Again, until next week, Coach, we thank you for your time. Thank you. We hope you all enjoyed those interviews with Coach Peacock, Coach Russell, and Coach Hectorn. Guys, remember, if you listened to this, enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. Let them know how you got to this podcast. Let them know how they can subscribe and enjoy it. Uh, it really helps us. We want to really build this up because this is going to benefit the kids, the programs in our school. So make sure you're doing that now. And if you have an extra minute and you don't mind and you use iTunes and you want to go there and leave us a positive review for our podcast, it helps us out a whole bunch. It increases our search engine speed as well as a lot of other factors and that always helps us and we really really appreciate it if you enjoy what you're listening to also make sure you check out our brother podcast in hernando called under the water tower they do a show very similar to ours as we work together under the same production company and we always want to try to promote our community as well as our neighboring communities you can find them on any podcast catcher just like ours other than that guys we're going to call tonight and hope you listen in next week because that is when we'll have the official start to the post game show as we'll be wrapping up all of week one for our area. Until then, guys, we'll see y'all next week.